This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Good morning. Here we are in studio, and I have special guest with me. Good morning, Paul Oliver. Good morning. Great to be here. Again, nice to have you. <clears throat> Paul represents and is the proprietor, or, you know, started, I think, the Urban Nature Store. Am I correct? Yes. So you're Mr. Urban Nature. I'd like everybody who's listening right now, think about what you need to know and want to know about nature in the urban world. And, uh, and I'll uh, have Paul here to answer your questions. Here's the number. If you'd like to call and ask questions about the garden, ask, ask Paul anything about birds. He loves being challenged. Um, I have a few set up already, but, uh, but nevertheless, he loves being challenged. So locally, 416-360-0740 is the local number. Or outside the GTA, 866-740-4740. Remember the mantra, call early. So that means early in the show, like now, don't be calling at 10 to, no, 10 to 10. Early, often, you can call more than once, but only one question per caller. And um, Paul is in charge of the bells, the chimes. For new callers. First-time callers. I, that makes sense, right? Because the, the chimes represent garden wings, and you're here representing... Birds. Birds. <laughs> Mr. Bird. Mr. Bird is here. I've got uh, one announcement I'd like to share. It is, if I can find it. Oh, great. I do this every time. Oh, I've got it. The lily. There's a lily bulb sale. So anybody who loves lilies. Now, we're not talking day lilies. This is lilium. These are the lilies, like Easter lilies, that grow from a bulb. So this is the Ontario Lily Society ca for more information they have an online auction starting october 10th running through until i guess today being the 14th or no yeah today is the 14th so today's the last day of the auction uh and the, meanwhile there's a sale and uh, you know face-to-face sale tomorrow uh all pretty well all day starting at one o'clock at the royal botanical gardens room five cash only so if you're if you're a lily collector and, and there's so many beautiful like look at some of the pictures yeah, on this poster gorgeous, gorgeous gorgeous and some are really fragrant and of course they've just come in so many shapes and colors and sizes lilies are absolutely lovely so if you're interested there you go on Ontario Lily Society dot ca. Uh, all right, you um, you mentioned maybe we should do the secret code idea again for listeners who want to purchase anything on your website. Yes, definitely, we can give out a secret code. Uh, we can do it now, or maybe make the listeners wait a little bit. Yeah, maybe let's get a call. Let's get somebody to call in. I'd like to, uh, let's ask Paul a hard question about birding, <clears throat> and then he'll share the secret code, which will give you a discount for any purchasing on the website, which also can be used in store. Yes. obviously. In store or online. And you have stores where? 
Uh, we have stores all around Toronto. We have Pickering, Oshawa, Markham, Kingston, Niagara, Mississauga. Yeah, so I think there's eight, right? Eight stores yeah. together. Yeah, so Kingston is my local store. Yes. Because I live out in the county normally. And you, of course, are Toronto-based. Dean is not with us today. He's I'm letting him sleep in. <laughs> he's part of a performance. So he's doing, uh, you know, doing some of his, the other, his alter ego. When he's not my Robin to my Batman, he also performs <laughs> in uh, theater. So he, again, is is on the road doing the Tom Thompson's Wake show, which I and my family saw in Belleville, and we loved it. It was so good. And um, so it looks like I'm, I'm confused. Do we have a caller? No. So give us a call. Here. I'm, I see all these numbers up here, but none of them are anybody who's have, having called. Again, 416-360-0740. Or 866-740-4740. We'll be back right after this. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And we are back. Uh, Paul is here, remember? Uh, he's representing the Urban Nature Store. And interestingly, our first caller is a first-time caller. Dina is calling from Brampton. Good morning, Dina. Good morning, Charlie. Did you get that little bit of a chime there? That's your garden I wings. Did. I did. I'm so happy about that. Good stuff. <laughs> Welcome to the show. And that Paul just gave you your wings, which is appropriate. He is a bird guy. Oh, well, he is. <laughs> you know, Paul, I don't see birds. When I was a little girl, I used to see, you know, like robins and and. and uh, bluebirds and such in in the Brampton area. I don't see colorful birds anymore. I wh- what is going on there? If I may ask that, uh, they're probably there. It, part part of it is with urban development and building parking lots and things like that. Some mm-hmm. of their natural habitats mm-hmm. have been disrupted, so um, their feeding areas are changed. Um, oh. put, putting out mm-hmm. specific feeders to attract cardinals, making sure the perches are correct for them. Um, you'll probably see them over time, but it does take a bit of time in an urban area to attract the birds. Just be persistent. Mm-hmm. Um, there are lots of lots of robins out there. There, are, uh, I see them in my backyard. There are lots of cardinals, chickadees, blue jays right now, and blue jays are moving oh, back. Oh yes, and, I love blue jays. They're so pretty. Oh, they're so loud. Yeah. And, and with with, <laughs> with winter migration, some of them. <clears throat> that are up in northern Ontario are now moving into the lake area, into our uh, area, so they'll be there for the winter. Um, and they are a big, prof- uh, love-eating peanuts in their shell. Oh, really? That's their oh, big food. really? Like, leave the, like the whole peanut out? L- leave the shell, the whole thing out in the shell. Yeah. And, and because oh, they're really? actually, they're a hoarder bird. And so you'll actually even see them take that peanut and in a trees like oak or uh, maple where you've got deep grooves. They'll duck. They'll duck. T- tuck them in there and save it for a, uh, a rainy day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't believe yeah, that's okay. Chipmunks, birds. They're like squirrels, right. aren't they? Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, planning for the next season, aren't they clever? That's part of their evolution, uh, yeah. though, obviously. Did you actually have a question besides the bird question? Uh, you... Yes, I, I have my mother's uh, forsythias. That's why I'm calling mm. you. 
Um, it's almost as old as I am. Uh, I think she planted it in 1962. Mm. And it, it was just a, a beautiful uh bush in the spring with all the yellow flowers. Mm-hmm. Now um, there's very few flowers. Uh, it, it took a real severe hit in 2013 when we had an ice storm. Mm-hmm. It was like almost laid down flat as right. it, yeah. it could be. Um, but ever since then, I, I thought, well, I was going to have to you know, uh, get rid of it. Chop it down. Uh, uh, well, no, well, completely uh, take it out. And I, I didn't because of my mom. Mm. And, and, and I, I'm i not upset with the bush. It's green, mm. but it's not flowering. Is, is okay. this what I, uh, well, am I to expect from now on? The age is. No, no, just not, no. Uh, re- remember, forsythia only blooms in the early spring. Yes, May, so that's May, your, yeah, yeah, exactly. Whenever early, depending on when spring arrives, lots of yellow flowers on forsythia is very normal early in the spring, and then after that, it's green leaves, and nothing, nothing beautiful in the fall. No great fall color. Green, no, green no. leaves turn brown, fall off, and next spring again we expect flowers. So, how do you maximize flowering on an old forsythia? Number one, trim it back as hard as you want. After it flowers. So get out your chainsaw if necessary. Chop the whole thing down to, you know, three feet tall if you want in the spring. Well, oh, my goodness. After it flowers. Um, I, I, well, I had an arborist because I, due to some uh, health uh, mm-hmm. problems, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I, I said, well, you know, cut every, you know, mm-hmm. all of my hedges, and they did a lovely um work for me um and um the forsythias they really <laughs> took the yeah, the okay. saw to it, it like That's you fine. said uh so you think that it is it's, it's not that it is like it looks great green it just doesn't have the flowers like it used to. Okay. Well, like I said, it does come down to new growth. It's going to give you yellow flowers on new, like, growth from this summer of 2023, like new yeah. green growth, will be yellow next spring. So if you're going to trim see. a forsythia, you only trim it after it flowers. If the people on your property did a great job with all their hedge trimming and they did it at this time of year, they cut off all the flowers that would have come for next spring. So timing matters. Oh. So don't worry. Don't give up on it. Forsythia will live for very, very many years. Just do that hard pruning after the flowering and leave it alone after that till the following <laughs> spring. Give it a year I'll between eighteen pruning. It, to me, it's my mother's bush, yeah. and it's, uh, I think of her every time I look at it. Oh, but it is a beautiful plant, uh, or bush, I, I guess that's the right word. And it's a and lovely that, spring plant. It really brightens up. Oh, it, it, it's yeah. a joy to see. I oh. can't tell you how much I, every, uh, you know, uh, you know, Early May, I'm all, I'm looking out for the, the flowers. But um, may I ask you, do you have a, a book? Uh, do you have a, a like a gardening book for beginners? Oh, great question! Thanks, Dina. Um, I will answer that question, and then we're going to have to take a quick break. The answer is no. I do not have a published book. I am I'm all over the web with different bits and pieces. I've certainly been part of uh, Zoomer Media. Has um, I'll I'll let you know. There's a newsletter that I've 
done that's been part of a monthly and uh, monthly tips, things to get done in the garden year round. But no, I've never published an actual book. But thanks for asking. We'll be back right after this. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And I'm here exclusively with Paul Oliver. Welcome again. Thank you. Mr. Bird. I see we do have some callers on hold with some bird questions. But for now, let's go straight to Susan. She's calling from Thornhill, and she's a first-time caller. (laughs) Woo! There you go. (laughs) Welcome. Welcome to the show. Hello. Morning. Good morning. I'm from Toronto. Yep. Oh, sorry. Toronto. You're right. I read that wrong. My <laughs> mistake. That's <laughs> uh, okay. I enjoy the show. Thank and you. And I'm hoping you might be able to give me some insight to my problem. It's with my echinacea plants. Mm-hmm. The one, they're in the full sun, mm-hmm. and once they flower, they there's flower for a bit, and then the age, edges of the petals start going black, and then over time, everything's black. The leaves, the stem... And whereas the ones in the backyard with some shade, they still have green leaves, green stems, and the only thing black is the seed head. Right. That's what you would expect. That's much more normal. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it could be an environmental thing. We had a hot summer, uh, so in that intense sun, if the echinacea dried down or you know, experienced drought, for too long of a period, then not only would the flower bud die back as it normally would, but then the stalk and perhaps even right from the base could uh, die back, which is not to say the plant is dead. The root is likely yeah, alive, yeah. but it doesn't look very pretty. It's a, you know, it's a lot of uh, pruning on your part. There's also, I will give you a website. Um, okay. If you write this down, mm-hmm. Google Cone flower, because cone flower is a yeah. common name for echinacea. So cone yeah. flower cleanup. Oh, cone okay. flower cleanup. You, it will take you to a page at the Ohio State University. Mm-hmm. There has been some issues with cone flowers or echinacea, um, and I saw this in my garden this year. There's a disease out there called aster yellows, which okay. causes very distorted blooms. But then there's also an insect out there that also causes distorted blooms. So the question is, what do you do? Like I'm in a situation where I actually pulled out some of my echinacea just to try mm-hmm. and avoid having this issue spread to all of them. Uh, They get very contorted, very strange, very mutant. Um, What should be a pink petal is a green petal. You know, you just get all kinds of weird stuff happening. So that's something to be aware of. So take a look at that website, see if that gives you any help as well. Yeah, I was considering pulling them out because the ones in the back, I just looked at them this morning and the leaves are all still nice and green and Mm -hmm. the stems are green. Good. But out the front, I cut them down because they're just a stick of black. Yeah. And, you know, the leaves were totally black. And yeah. so I thought, and maybe I will pull them out and take some from the back and put them in. The <laughs> you could try, or you could just give them a bit of, a bit more of a chance. Cut down those front back, front black ones. See yeah. what comes up next spring. If it does some kind of weird blackening or distorting, then pull them out at that point. Okay. Maybe. Thank you very yeah, much. Thanks so much for calling. Appreciate it. My okay. pleasure. All right. Uh, look, we have a bird question coming up. Paul, are you ready? I am ready. He's, he's, uh, he's, I can just see he's just <laughs> champing at the bit. Ask me something about birds. All right. We have Sandra calling in from Etobicoke. Good morning, Sandra. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. Paul, I have a strange bird question. 
Um, a flock of sparrows every year descend on my scarlet runners or runner beans, whichever you call them. Just as a tiny bean is appearing, they eat them. They strip my entire crop. Oof. So how do I stop them? Shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> I've thought of all sorts of things. I tried putting strips of tin foil on to, um, you know, scare, scare them away. Uh, netting doesn't work because the beans grow so fast and it's a horrible job getting it untangled in the fall. Mm. I just don't know what to do. They don't eat the other beans in the raised vegetable beds. They just go for those. Hmm. Yeah, there's not an easy solution to do that, uh, to, to control them. The w- one thing that I find probably is the most effective at discouraging birds is the um, reflective tape that flutters in the wind. So it, it picks up the sun, you're putting it out in little strips of maybe 12 to 15 inches long, and both the movement of it as well as the reflection of the sun scares a lot of the birds away, but it's not specific to any type of bird. It'll be mm-hmm. all types of birds will be scared. So that was the idea with the tinfoil, I guess. Yeah, it's yes. the, the tinfoil generally doesn't flutter as, as much, but what you may want to do is just take some um, fishing line, string it across, and put four or five pieces on oh, that and let yeah. it flutter uh, well above where the beans are growing. Mm. So you want it a couple of feet above that oh. so that the birds don't mm. feel comfortable passing that area because they just don't understand it. Mm. And you can put that up just for the two weeks or three weeks mm. where they're the most intensive and then take, take it down if you don't need it after that. But right. there isn't an easy solution. Uh, birds are pretty yeah. persistent when it comes to getting food. Yeah, there's they, something special about those scarlet runner beans. Yes. I have no idea because they don't touch the green beans. They don't touch the yellow beans. They just go for those. I wonder if it's the flower color. Because, I mean, they're red. all the other beans are just white. They're nothing special. But yep. the red maybe somehow is attracting them. It, it, it could be a just <clears throat> maybe that they're, they're easier to digest. They're easier <clears throat> to access. Um, and uh, once one goes, then the whole gang goes. Super yeah. high protein, too. Yeah. They're really yeah. good for you. Good for the birds. Good yeah. for us, too. <laughs> good. And, um, Paul, where would I find reflective tape? Would that be in a hardware store or? Uh, a fair number of hardware stores sell it. We also sell it in Urban Nature store, and it normally comes in strips of one inch or wide or two inches wide. I normally find the two inch wide because it just picks up the uh, uh, wind and flutters a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But it's it's both the movement of it as well as the picking up of the sun's reflection. Yeah. And it's just something that doesn't harm the birds in any way. It just isn't something un- they understand, so they want to stay away from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can you can even use it on the like those plastic owls or hawks. Mm. is attach a couple of those uh, strips to their head so it actually creates that what movement, perceivement yeah. uh, of movement. The illusion of movement, yeah. yes. Hmm. I'm going to try that. All <laughs> right. Let us know how that works out. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Sandra. That's great. I love it. Good question. All right. Here we go. Let's keep going. Do we have, oh, another bird question coming. Paul, you ready? I am ready. Trudy's on the line calling from St. Catharines. Good morning, Trudy. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. I have a question about birding. Um, I love feeding the birds. I know that in the wintertime, I don't know where they live, like how they shelter. I have mostly sparrows and chickadees. I have a small backyard. Are there any trees or shrubs you could recommend I plant so they can perhaps take shelter in that? Mm -hmm. I'm just looking for some recommendations. Again, I don't have a big backyard. I can't have a tall tree or, or shrub, but... Something that would be good for um, the birds to shelter in during the winter. Give us an idea of how big your yard is, roughly. Like ten. Me? How roughly? How big is your backyard? Like ten by ten, uh, twenty by twenty? How big is the backyard? Mm. 
Um, it's six feet uh, about 30 wide and maybe 20 deep. Oh, okay. So that's not super small. Okay. No. All right. I'll let you start, Paul, and I'll see if I have anything to add. My, my first advice for gardeners to help birds is evergreens, evergreens, and even more evergreens. It provides the protection from predators in the summertime, and in the winter it gives them that uh place to hang out when it's uh, snowing, windy, and most importantly, when it's freezing rain. But the other thing you can do is, in the short term, is actually put up roosting pockets for the birds. Mm. And they're grass fiber ones. You just hang out and you'll get two or three chickadees popping in and hanging out together. They're not designed for nesting. Or wood ones where it actually has dowlings and perches inside the house so the birds can enter and you'll normally get uh, four or five chickadees going in they hang out together they're uh, uh, up up, off the ground or off the base of the uh, uh, house because they actually have the dowlings and the perches in it and what's that called it's a winter roosting pocket or roosting house okay got that winter roosting house yeah Hmm, And, and even if you have bird houses taking the birdhouses, um, just cleaning them out at this time of mm. the year, and balling up some grass and putting it in the bottom of it. Um, and the birds will actually go in and perch on top of that grass inside, just so that they're not right on the wood base of the uh, birdhouse. Yeah. Um, and that gives them just... It, what you're really trying to do is just give them an area where they can actually rest mm-hmm. when the environmental and the weather stresses have uh, exhausted them. Right. Yeah, it's super windy, super cold. Yeah. Now, now, these birdhouses and bird pockets, I don't have a tree in my backyard to hang them on. So where can I attach them to the house or the garage? You can attach them to the garage. You can attach them to the fence. They normally have reinforced uh, doors on them so that uh, squirrels and predators can't get into them. Um, or even just putting a post in the middle of your yard and, and yeah, there's a, a couple. It's like a shepherd's hook, right? Yep. It's a simple shepherd's hook. With your foot, you press down hard so that it's nice and stable into the ground, preferably a shepherd's hook with more than just two feet, but preferably three or four feet, yep. down into the ground, and then hang one of the little pouches there. Yeah, yeah, and, the, and as I say, the roosting pocket, there are some that are big houses that will accommodate seven or eight at a time, nice. and then there are small little grass fiber ones oh. that uh, you just can hang around anywhere. And the birds will find them. And the other thing is, Trudy, based on the size of your yard, you could fit um, an evergreen such as a juniper. I'd plant, you know, a nice pyramidal juniper. There's one called Spartan, which grows in part sun, part shade. It's green. It doesn't get too huge. It'll give you that evergreen uh, feel. And you can prune it. The great thing about junipers is you can keep them, you know, six feet tall or seven feet tall if that's what you want and keep them fairly narrow. So maybe consider something like that or a cedar again that can be pruned. Just something that you don't want to get too big, but you do want to provide that wind shelter and that, you know, shelter from inclement weather. Yeah. And in the summertime, it's great shelter against the big predator birds up above mm. that we often forget about. Right. A whole Those flock, hawks. A, a whole flock of chickadees will go flying into the cedar hedge uh, for protection. <laughs> and when it happens, you look up, right? You know, because you see them all. Suddenly, the birds are all chirping, la, 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 and it goes dead quiet. And it's like, oh, something's out there. Yes. <laughs> they can see it. So, yeah. Good stuff. Thanks, Trudy. Thank you.
okay, now listen, that kind of brings up a good point. Trudy brought up some good questions, like winter, what do we do? Winter's coming. We want to protect our little friends, our little feathered friends. So give us kind of what are your top what three or four things that are absolutely important for winters um, and birds? Yeah, so a couple of things. The first one would be water. Mm-hmm. Make sure there's water available. Put out a heated bird bath or put out a um, water in the morning for the birds. Put it out in the sun so that it actually stays uh, open water. Birds use it to drink, and they also use it to align their feathers and uh, help protect them against the cold weather. So water is top top issue. Um, putting out food, and also putting out food in feeders that are accessible. Um, make sure it's fatty food. They're not on any Weight Watchers program. They love the fatty foods. Um, but make sure that the feeder is accessible, that the snow hasn't closed the perches or blocked the entrance or the screens or, or that. Or gets it wet. Like sometimes blowing rain or we get a bit of ice and then it melts and then all of a sudden all the food is just wet. Yeah, the food, And it's mush. The food will be wet or you'll get a freeze and the food becomes a solid block. Right, and they, they can't get it. Can't access it. Um, so checking it regularly is is a really good thing. But even put adding suet nuggets inside the uh, seed so that they're getting that extra fat content. And the other really important thing I ask people to do at this time of the year is look around their backyard for glass that's now become exposed that could be a risk to the birds. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people have vines growing up over balcony uh, um, railings and now that they've died back, that glass is a deadly for the birds. Mm-hmm. And if you have that, put up the decals or the reflector stickers or things like that so that the birds know the glass is there and we're not getting them harmed. What about those silhouettes, those black silhouettes that are cut out of black you know, cardboard? Do they work yeah, pretty the, much the same? Or Yeah, the silhouettes work. It just, it's, it's just making sure that the birds don't see the area as an open fly-through. Mm-hmm. Um, and so putting those up, there are also uh, UV ones that the birds see but you don't see. So it doesn't block. That's what I have, the UV. I have like, they're maple leaves, like leaves sort of Mm -hmm. scattered all over my bigger windows. And it's for just that because, yeah, the birds, to them, that's just a fly through. Yeah. In particular, if it's a railing where you've got the railing at the top, a railing on the bottom, and they're just thinking it's two branches they're flying between, but you've got a chunk of glass there. If you're not, yeah, put furniture or put decals. I've had that too. Yeah. And and that's the thing in the summertime, we often have furniture in front of it or baskets, Mm -hmm. and then we take those down, pack them up in the fall and we forget that the glass then becomes yeah. exposed yeah. and uh, so i go around on my property and with a little uh like a bingo dauber and oh, it actually yeah. is a liquid version and it just pop 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 so i uh, and that washes there. off over time it, it'll wash off so by the late spring uh, with a good washing it's it's gone and mm. by, by that time i already have my baskets back up on the railing Right, rather than doing like the decals or whatever. Yeah. Huh, that's a good point. I like that idea. I might just look into that. Because, <laughs> yeah, no, I do. I I realized, yeah, moved some furniture. This is a couple of years ago. And, and this poor little bird thought he was doing a cut through, but that, it air above and glass below and hit the glass didn't die got stunned it was like oh i gotta do something about that because they can't see that glass i mean we try to keep it clean for a reason but (laughs) the last thing you want is you know dead birds all around so yeah that was that's not good all right well those are good good points so keeping feeders clear of snow accessible to the birds lots of fat good fat stuff in the feeders Water, 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 yes. which is a challenge. Yeah. Have, you know, it's having that plug-in uh, heater of yeah, some kind. So, so a plug-in heater, it's normally a shallower birdbath 
because you're only just warming the water up so it doesn't freeze. Mm -hmm. It's not like a hot tub for the no, birds. No, no, not at all. <laughs> um, and so the electricity on it generally only runs a few minutes uh, uh, at a time and then shuts off. Uh, but even if you don't have a heated bird bath, taking a shallow bowl of water, putting it out in the sunny area on a picnic table uh, in the morning every day um, so that the birds have a bit of water. Um, and it's to, both to bathe in but also to drink. And they will. They'll bathe in the middle of winter. It's crazy. Yes. But it's shallow being the operative word there, too. Like I was telling you, I have a heated dog bowl, but the, the birds have not been too excited about it. But I think it's too deep. Yeah. It's a bit scary for them. All right. Uh, more about birds. <laughs> and also, Paul's going to share that secret code. Let's not forget about that code right after this. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed. I'm exclusive to Zoomer Radio, and I've got my exclusive Paul Oliver with me. Good morning, and I'm happy to be here. Flo flew right in. <laughs> exactly. You did. You literally flew in on your bicycle. My goodness. And it's going to rain today, you silly person. Um, talk to me. Uh, share. Should we share the secret code on your, from your website? Yes. So if anyone goes to urbannaturestore.ca, in the top of the uh, website on the front page, there's a secret code, uh, and you... Enter Winterbird, and you will get a $10 gift card emailed Ooh. to you. Nice. Um, just double-check your spam file to make sure it didn't go there. Uh, but it, the secret code, again, is Winterbird, and it's urbannaturestore.ca. Lovely. And Winterbird can be one word, two words. Spell it with all kinds of weird ways. It'll still work. Yeah, we try to guess all the different ways <laughs> it could be spelled and put that in so that it works. <laughs> but you get just the one go at it. Yeah, and right. that one go gets you one gift card. And that'll be good until tomorrow. So next 24 oh my, hours, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can go on to the Urban Nature Store. For 24 hours. And put in Winterbird and get $10. And keep in mind, the gift card it works for the future, but yeah. getting the gift card is only until tomorrow. Yes. And then nice. you can use it in the stores or online. Sweet. Thank you very much. I've got that written down on my to-do list. <laughs> okay. And we have Jack waiting on the line. Good morning, Jack. Uh, good morning, Charlie. Um, I was just wondering, uh, when is the best time to plant grass seeds? Um, uh, would it be best in early November once the lawn has been cut for the final time, in other words, before winter, or in, the, in early April before the lawn gets cut for the first time after winter? Excellent question. And before I answer it, you are, need to get your garden wings. There you go. <laughs> First you. time caller. Welcome to the show. Thank you for calling. Thank you. Uh, right. So grass seed, If where is the grass seed being planted on a, a level surface or is it on a slope? Uh, it's fairly level. Okay. So what that means is you, uh, what I would do is, as you said right off the top, final mow in November. At that point, preferably top dress with some good quality topsoil, you know, right. half an inch or so. Sprinkle your grass seed on top of that. Very light raking with your fan rake and walk away. Leave it alone. The seed will not grow until the spring, but it will sit there and wait very patiently until conditions are perfect for germination. You do want to give that light raking. Otherwise, the birds will take the grass seed. Can I not mix the grass seed with the topsoil and do it that way? People, I've seen that tried. You know, it's, it's worth a try. If you want to kind of say, all right, more efficient, I'll just have to do kind of a one raking if I do it this way. I don't think you'll get as perfect of a germination because you don't have that spread happening quite as well. No, and remember, 
grass seed is it germinates better when it's right on the surface but we do cover it to protect it from the birds so when it's we're covering it it's just with a minuscule amount of soil i see okay okay thank you very much very very good thank you very much for calling do not be a stranger those birds will eat anything. <laughs> I know. Don't you love it? How I'm saying, don't let the birds eat your grass seed. Oh, we love birds, but not that much. <laughs> grass seed is too expensive. But <laughs> not the bird seed is so inexpensive. Yeah, and you said blue jays love peanuts in the shell. Yes. They, like, like, they go crazy. It's like going to the ball game, right? Uh, well, one of the things that I love about blue jays is because it's a time-sensitive bird. Mm-hmm. You can just put out a couple of peanuts at 8 o'clock every morning, and they'll come and they'll know it's, it's there. They're that on top yeah. of stuff. Uh, occasionally, though, if you want to sleep in on a Saturday or Sunday morning, they'll still be out there at 8 o'clock Squawking. expecting their peanuts. And boy, are they loud. In my neighborhood, they're really loud. Yeah. And actually, I've been hearing, they make a lot of different noises. It's not just that obnoxious squawk. They have some kind of soft little trills and things they do, yeah. too. Yeah. And, and if you see a mommy blue jay out there with her babies, you'll hear a whole wide range of, yeah. this is how you do it. No, you did it wrong. Oh, yeah. Let me discipline you. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah. You, you can really hear that. She has a, probably as many voices as my mother did when I was a kid. Yeah, and <laughs> eyes in the back of her head, likely. What, um, so, do blue jays have their babies later in the season than other birds? Uh, a bit later, but they also can do two broods. But, okay. but most of the time it's one brood, but a bit later. Okay, because I remember once, back when I lived in Richmond Hill, a, it was a baby blue jay. Like, it was just a little round blue pl- puffball of a blue jay, and it was October on my feeder. And I didn't see any parents around, but they must have been around. Yeah, but so. I just thought, wow, you're really little for this time of year. Yeah, so that probably was a late season second brood. Right. Yeah, so it was a good year, like a long enough season or whatever. They had enough food. They were able to do that. Mm, interesting. All right. Um, just trying to think. Maybe what we should do is we have one final break to listen to important messages from our sponsors like the Urban Nature Store. Let's do that. Get that out of the way and then get to our callers. Great. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And here we are back in the studio. Paul Oliver is with me. And let's go directly to Esther, who's calling in from Scarborough. Good morning. Good morning, Charlie. What's going on? I want to say I love your show. Thank you. However, Charlie, I bought a whole ton of uh, tulip bulbs, mm-hmm. and I have them in my refrigerator. Okay. I have no more room for my vegetables <laughs> in my vegetable drawers. Okay. So, Charlie, can I plant them this weekend? Sure, of course. You, you Tulips... For sure. Get them in the ground. Why not? It's uh, winter's should, coming. Uh, is the ground cold enough, love? Because I heard you said something about the ground is not, uh, last week you said it's not warm enough. Oh, no. With the tulips, you are going to be planting those four to six inches deep, the bottom of the bulb. So you'll be in, it's, the tulips will be well protected from starting to grow uh, in this warm soil. It's way easier to dig when the soil is warm, easier on you as well. So definitely, uh, I'm in the exact same boat. I've got bulbs being delivered this week, a couple hundred. I always go sort of four or five hundred bulbs every fall. And I'll be getting them in the ground as soon as, you know, it's not pouring rain, I'll be getting them out. And get them deep enough so that you you know the, you'll enjoy them next spring. Don't hold them in the refrigerator. 
Okay, love. Okay. That's great. And then I need the space for my vegetables. There you go. Thank you so much, Charlie. No, you're welcome. Not to mention beer. we got to get the beer in the <laughs> fridge, too, right? I know I have one of those beer fridge, tulip fridges. <clears throat> All right. Next, calling from Toronto is Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. Morning. What's going on? Um, I'm a first-time caller here, oh, Charlie. Oh, oh. There, there, there's your wings. You. <laughs> I've been listening to your show for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, really enjoy it. Thanks. I have a problem. My neighbor and myself, uh, skunks are digging up our front lawns. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering if you have any advice as to what we could do. Yeah, so at this time of year when skunks are digging up our lawns, and you might even see some birds pecking away at your lawns, there are insects in the lawn down, not very deep, maybe two inches deep. So what's that, 10 centimeters, five centimeters deep? Uh, They are going after the grubs. So the grubs are the larvae or caterpillars that become those beetles, those Japanese beetles that we all enjoyed or didn't enjoy this past summer. So controlling the grubs will control the skunks and also ultimately control the beetles next year. What are you going to do? You and your neighbor are going to go to your local garden center um, or even any of the home stores, the Home Depot's kind of stores. They should have nematodes for sale. Nematodes are going, they are eggs, they're dormant eggs and a little sponge. You're going to buy that product Get, take it home, follow the instructions to the T, and they will work. Rain is expected, which is good. You always put nematodes onto moist soil. So if we're getting the moisture we're supposed to get today, tomorrow, wait for that to fall. Get your nematodes out right after that. Water them into that nice moist soil where the digging is taking place. And the nematodes will hatch out of the eggs, and they will do a really good job. Believe it or not, they just eat those grubs from the inside out. Ooh, love it. Love that visual. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. I'll mention that to my neighbor. Maybe we can work on that together. Exactly. You're very welcome. And remember, these nematodes will not hurt the skunks or the birds. They're very specific. And what are nematodes? They're what another term would be wire worms. They're so small. You, it's like a a, a hair, the size of a. They just burrow right into the grub. (laughs) Yes, they do. They do a really nice job, and then they just eat. Start eating. And then they'll also, you know, yeah. Then they're hungry. Most caterpillars are, right? And nematodes are a form of of a caterpillar. Wire worms. So thanks for that, Aurora. Anybody else who's having issues? Um, Let me just see what order I'm going here. My next caller is Diane. She's calling in from Dorchester. And she's got a suggestion for one of our other callers. What's going on, Diane? Hi, yeah, thanks for taking my call, and I love it when you have the uh, Paul with the uh, bird guy there. Um, Yeah, uh, my uh, son-in-law, they had um, grackles going over their swimming pool all the time, Mm. and he also had a garden, and they used the owl, they did the strips and everything, but somebody told them to take the fishing line and put it up, uh, they put it on... um, Oh, we, well, in the trees, even. Yeah, yeah. And it was the CDs. He had, they had oh. some old CDs. And when we have a seasonal trailer. And I, I, I kept looking out the window and <laughs> 
thing kept reflecting up a tree. And I went over, because I know the lady, and she said she had her granddaughter go up on top of the trailer because she had birds early in the morning going on the roof of her trailer, picking at any bugs that were on the roof of her trailer. (laughs) Making a lot of noise. And and, uh, so uh, we've closed out our trailer now, but I see she left it up there because Mm. she said... uh, she thought they would get used to it, but so far, uh, and that's been three months now, and they've not had a bird back on their uh, roof of their trailer. Okay, so that's good. That's the same idea as the reflective tape. And, and it's the movement yeah. of the uh, CD. So now the old Duran Duran uh, CDs that <laughs> yeah. you have from no. the 80s, yeah. you can recycle. Uh, <laughs> sure, why not? But from yeah. Fishing yeah. Line. And my, my gardening question was... Mm-hmm. Uh, I have the cat mint, mm. and um, I did leave it last year. It does, oh, it, it just spreads out. The snow just flattens it flatter than anything. Mm. But even right now, the, the bumblebees are still yeah. going to it. Yeah. So I felt that was good. I love it. But also, um, I don't like them in the backyard, but I don't care about them going in the front yard, the rabbits. Oh, and no. I noticed uh, last year I had two little rabbits going under the three different bushes. So can I leave it till the spring and prune them back kind of aggressively in the spring or how far? Because they've grown to be very large. Okay, so there's different kinds of cat mint, but you may have one I I have growing at my place called Walker's Low, which I love. And you're absolutely right, uh, more than a meter wide uh, and across from one little perennial plant. So I leave them alone all winter. I let the snow flatten them. I let them, you know, look like a dog's breakfast in the spring. I'm out there, lift up that whole big mess, cut it all right back so that all you've got is the little green, new little green leaves coming up at ground level. So that big, massive amount of foliage comes out and suddenly we've got bare earth, which fills right back in. And cat mint is a wonderful pollinator supporter plant for all kinds of insects and, yeah, and birds. Good. And birds. Yeah. Birds will love it during the winter. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, yeah. Well, that's good. Paul mentioned about the... Um, uh, peanuts in the shell for the blue jays. Mm-hmm. Will they go to the ground to get them, or do you have to put them on some kind of a, a feeder tray or something that they will pick them off of? They are better at identifying them and finding them up on a higher level, so on a deck railing or in a feeder tray or something oh, like okay. that. Okay, thank you for that because I, I I didn't want the squirrel to get it, and that's what would happen. So <laughs> uh, maybe sure. the blue jays will have a chance. Good okay, stuff. thank you so very much for taking my call. I really appreciate it. I love listening to your show. Thanks a lot, Diane. Appreciate all the the positive feedback. Thank you, Paul, for thank coming you. in again. My pleasure. Don't forget, winter bird. Winterbird, urbannaturestore.ca. There it is. Thanks, Ashi. Thanks to the callers. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.